This is the Horror Dads Podcast. This is Jamie. I'm with John, episode 33, and we are with our special guest, Gabe Reasoner of Careful Gaze. What's up, Gabe? Not much. Hey, I'm super stoked to be here. Thanks for having me. Gabe, welcome, man. Um, so Gabe is the frontman singer for the band Careful Gaze, as Jamie mentioned. Uh, so I think, actually, we, we didn't really talk about this out loud, but we're going to take uh, take the episode out at the end. Uh, we'll play a full track from Careful Gaze so you guys can check it out. Um, but we're going to spend the episode talking a lot about music, obviously, uh, but we're here to talk about horror. Um, so Gabe, uh, you know, what uh, topic did you select for us to discuss today, buddy? I thought it would be fun to talk about some horror films that have to do with music and or audio um, heavily with their plot and uh, the themes and everything. Yeah, and I would say you did that. Uh, um, yeah, these are... If These you're new to the sh- we haven't seen. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're new to the show, uh, what we do with every guest is we have them pick uh, a theme and then three films to that revolve around that theme. Yep. So we will discuss those three films that Gabe picked um, toward uh, the back end of the episode. But we're going to um, go through our standard introductory stuff. We're going to talk about what we've been buying, watching, wearing, etc. And then we're going to have some questions for Gabe. And then we'll uh, talk about those three horror films, which will be fun. But before we get into some interview questions and talk about, get, okay, well, first off, <laughs> let's just let's just uh, clear the fanboy error here real quick <laughs> because uh, Jamie and I kept saying like in the preliminary call, like, all right, we're 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 not gonna you know keep telling telling you that we uh, love your band and and just uh, keep gushing over it, but we're gonna do that for a second. Um, Gabe's band is is fucking great. It's it's. Um, kind of uh indie rock uh with melodic sort of uh heaviness there's um uh elements of of punk there's elements of indie there's elements of rock there are elements of of hardcore so like it's it's really a, a fantastic and 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 beautiful blend of, of music and 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 we love it man so thank you for doing this yeah it's a incredible amalgamation of everything we love it really is. Um, it's rare that you find a band that kind of encapsulates everything that you love in music and kind of puts it into one neat package. And that's mm-hmm. what you guys fucking do. It's never a boring listen. You know, the songs don't blend together. Everything is kind of its own entity. And uh, God damn, do we love it. Well, thank you guys so much. I appreciate that. I think I told you this before when we talked, but I feel like you guys are like the perfect people to have found a band like mine and like find our music. Because a lot of times... Uh, I feel like people might listen to it and it's either, you know, maybe not heavy enough or maybe it's a little too, too loud for like what they normally listen to. Um, but when we were talking about like the bands that we grew up watching and, and the kind of our shared interests, I was just like, and you guys are like the perfect people to have found my music. And, and I feel like, you know, appreciate it for, for what we're going for kind of exactly. Um, so I, I definitely appreciate it. And are we going to talk about how we met? Yeah, we should. Um, <laughs> we should do that. So first and foremost, we got to mention a uh, fellow patron, good friend of both Jamie and ours, and actually my music writing partner, um, Michael Kennyhurst, uh, who's one of the most gifted. He's probably the most gifted musician that I personally know, uh, and the best guitar player I personally know. But he gifted in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, just fantastic human yep. being. But Jamie and I have a 
kind of a standing ever since COVID started a Thursday Zoom call. It's just a friend call. There are like 10 or 12 of us that get together. Uh, we pick a theme each week and we kind of like bullshit over music and we each pick a song and we listen to it. So sometimes we introduce new music or reflect on old stuff that we love. Um, but this particular week, Michael, our friend, um, brought Gabe's band on um, as his song choice. And I just was like so into it. And I fell down this deep rabbit hole. This was, you know, last last winter, just listening to the catalog and getting really into the band. And um, it was a completely sober moment. It was I can't even say like I drank nine beers and then <laughs> jumped on Instagram. But like I I from my not even from the Horror Dads page, but from my lowly like 40 followers on my personal page, I just direct messaged uh, the Careful Gaze uh, page. And I was like, man, this music's meant a ton to me and thank you you guys are fantastic and and gabe responded and was like hey thanks so much man and then we just started like kind of had a <laughs> had some discussion and then it led to this really those are my favorite types of interactions because a band um, of our size definitely doesn't get those types of messages on a daily basis um, and so when they come in you know it's it's really cool to see that just someone from out there in the world has stumbled upon your music and, and cares enough to actually tell you about it. Cause I feel like, you know, in this day and age, especially during the pandemic, it's just a constant stream of media, um, all, you know, all day long for most of us. So when people yeah. actually care enough to not just hear something and then kind of just move on with their day, but actually, you know, seek out the creator of it and not just follow them, but actually like tell them, what it means to them like that means a ton to me as somebody who obviously puts a lot of time and passion and money and effort into making a product that people can enjoy um so i saw that and i was like that's that's amazing um so and then i happened to see that you guys did a podcast and of course i i love horror and so i was immediately interested and just really started getting into the podcast and and now we're here and i i think it's one of the greatest things to happen um, from the internet in in my recent life. <laughs> yeah, John was like, uh, he texted me. He was like, yeah, I've been chatting with Gabe from uh, that Careful Gaze band that Mike introduced the other day. And I was like, oh, cool. And he was like, yeah, he's going to be on the show. And I was like, what? <laughs> How the fuck did this come about? <laughs> well, we're, we're incredibly glad that it did. And Gabe, thank you for, for being a patron on our, our Patreon. Yeah, um, absolutely. And Jamie and I both subscribe to the uh, Careful Gaze Patreon because they've got some really awesome bonus oh content on there. That's a great Patreon account. And you know what's Thank funny, you. Gabe, is I'm, I've, I'm a Patreon member of two accounts, so you should be honored. <laughs> I am very honored. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I appreciate you guys being a part of it. It's a, a fun time. I'm also a Patreon member of two accounts, and they're there you go. Alone in the Dark and Careful Gaze. All right. Let's... If you're li anyone who listens to our show now is like, oh my god, every episode go, now, here they go. And Matt Pepler, <laughs> if you, uh, you start Patreon, <laughs> bud, we're on. <laughs> uh, all right, but let's let's hit our intro stuff. What what's everyone been watching? Uh, Gabe, let's start with you, man. What have you been watching lately? Yeah, um, I just watched recently Murder Party, um, oh, which so is good. okay. I was going to ask if you guys had seen that. Uh, John, have not. you seen it? Okay. No. So it is um, Jeremy, I believe it's Sonier, um, the director of Green Room. It's his kind of debut film. And it is, I, I would just say watch it because it's probably the furthest 
thing that could be from Green Room for as far as them both being kind of like horror films. Like it's just a completely different vibe, Um, but it's got one of the same actors in it uh, that that he's kind of partnered with. I'll talk about this more later, but he's kind of he's a buddy of of Jeremy's and they seem to partner together in pretty much everything they do. Um, so I just watched that for the first time to kind of get a feel for what his earlier stuff was like. And it is definitely a lot different. It's a lot um, of fun, right? Yeah, it, it was. Yeah. I was I was definitely not expecting the tone of the movie. Um, so it took me a minute to kind of adjust, especially, mm-hmm. you know, you go from I just rewatched Green Room um, to get, you know, kind of refreshed for the show. So you, you go from a movie like that to to this, um, I guess. It is interesting alert. when you go into a horror film in your like horror mentality and then you like the babysitter i had pretty limited context of what that was going to be and i just remember like going into that and i literally felt like i was at a party because mm-hmm. it, it was just such a fun sort of environment it just made you kind of feel good even though everything that was happening was bad yeah yeah, yeah this this movie is very much like a i guess it would be considered like a comedy probably first and foremost um cool so i've been watching that um other than that i've just been kind of watching stuff in prep for this because I've been pretty busy with all of the music related activities that I have going on right now. So not as much time as I would like, but every once in a while you guys inspire me enough to watch a specific film that you talk about. Um, like I had never watched it follows. Um, and so when you guys talked about that, I watched that one. Um, what do you think? That's a good, I liked it. I, I liked it. It was, uh, I felt like it was, the the tone of that movie again was just like very unique and not exactly what i had expected from like seeing trailers or hearing about it so right i enjoyed it what's funny about it follows not to belabor this because we've discussed it too many times but the first time i saw it when it ended i was like okay i don't really need to see that again it was yeah on my rewatch now it's like something i want to watch i feel like i want to watch it all the time now i don't know if just now in my life that tone of movie is like just right up my fucking alley Mm-hmm. Uh, but murder party real quick. I, <clears throat> I remember like this past, maybe two Halloweens ago, I was looking for something just like I was working and I was like, I just need a Halloween movie I've never seen. And that one just popped up on shutter or something. Oh, so amazing. So fun and like random. Uh huh. And the connection now between green room and that is perfect. Yeah. John, how about you, buddy? What have you been watching? So I got, uh, I mentioned on our last uh, recording that I bought the, um, behind the mask Blu-ray. And uh, behind the mask, yeah. Rise of Leslie Vernon. Digging into those special features, Oof, dude. I had it on today, and I, I, firstly, I just I've seen that movie without exaggeration probably forty times in yeah. my life, and I honestly just was smiling the entire time it was on today. I I love that movie so much, um, but oh. yeah, I was digging into the special features. They're fantastic. Um, so. We're not going to totally give it away yet, but we do have a really special episode coming up uh, re- relative to that film. So if you guys have not seen Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, uh, catch up on it now. I do. I believe it's streaming on Shutter, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, cool. So, You've seen that, right, Gabe? I haven't, but oh um, my god, that was one that yeah. When you guys were talking about it recently on the podcast, I was. It, it sounded like it was kind of up my alley for things that. Yeah, I you like. texted me and said it. It sounds like it's similar to Creep, and it, it's it's right on in similarity to Creep in terms yeah. of like the main character having a very amicable, fun personality. Where you're like, oh, I like this person, but they're also terrifying. Right. Uh, so it's very very similar in that capacity. Mm, I love Creep. Yeah, Creep's great. I'm gonna try to watch that movie then in prep for whatever you guys do with it because mm-hmm. it sounds like i would enjoy it yeah i love that movie um 
So, John, what else? Anything else? Uh, that's it. I mean, we just recorded a couple days ago. Yeah. So, uh, so I kind of hit a couple uh, April Fool's Day. Oh, you got the you went to it? Shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I, I always put on body bags and I only make it through the first segment. It's the best segment. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so like that is an amazing movie in itself. I just love that first segment. Um, and then Maniac Cop, I've been watching a shit ton. I watched it like twice because uh, <laughs> it's the St. Patrick's Day theme. Oh, okay, okay. You run out I mean, of not like that it's not like worth watching, it, but right? Why, why you really times. came at me there. Uh, <laughs> the thing is, is, like you run out of St. Patrick's theme shit, yeah. and like, well, Leprechaun, and then what else? It's like, oh, do I have to watch Leprechaun in the Hood now? I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this say every St. Patrick's every St. Patrick's Day, I'm like, I need to buy every single Leprechaun. And then March 18th, I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> and then March 15th, I'm like, yes, I need to buy it again. It's always a cycle. But anyways, I went to Maniac Cop. Speaking of special features, I hit those up. So good. But there's an interview with, with everyone. I think I mentioned the yeah. interview with the actual Maniac Cop. But there's one uh, with our boy, Tom. And I, I oh, feel... When he was like, he, I feel like he didn't see the movie. Wait, have you watched these special features? I have, because he was like... For some reason, this guy, they, and he was talking about his own character. He's like, this guy, they, they throw him out a, win a window pretty early on in the movie. And it happened. It's like the last five minutes of the movie. He's, he's <laughs> criticizing this movie. Yeah. I feel like the makers of the film had to have been like, they couldn't have signed off on this interview being on the special features because no. he's like, I wouldn't have done it that way. I would have. <laughs> I'm like, what? Why is this on here? It's I love you mentioned that because, yeah, I, I, I have seen that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, what about uh, any fun family antics? You got one, Jamie? You said you the, don't have one. I, I mean, I don't really have one. I just wanted to reference this barbecue again where I got uh, sunburned. It wasn't a barbecue. It was the Easter egg hunt thing where I got sunburned. I was like trying to get dressed for this thing. And because of the like self-quarantining and um, only buying horror shirts, which like has only expounded now because of this podcast. Yes. I was trying really to get dressed for this, and I was like, I told my wife, I was like, I don't honestly don't know what to wear because, like, I don't want to look like like a horror creep. I don't want them to like be like, oh my god, our neighbor's a fucking psycho. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> I was thinking I need to expand my wardrobe a little bit. I actually had to take, um, I had to take Luna, my youngest, to school yesterday, and she said to me before we left, "Don't wear a scary shirt." <laughs> That is not my family antic, but it's close because my wife, this mine's about my wife actually, she said to me it's on Saturday, she was like, I, I bought this new dress, do you like it? And I was like, yeah, it's fine, it's great. It's, great. it's fine? No, I mean... You're sleeping alone, bud. <laughs> I honestly, I looked at it and I was like, yeah, that's, it's, that's a great... Yeah. And I told her, I was like, anything you wear, it looks great. Like, just what happens. Oh, the generic response. But it, I mean it, but yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Then she said, what do you know about fashion? And I was like, honestly, I've been wearing the same oh, pair. She of, came at you. <laughs> same pair of jeans for six years. And I was like, and I look like I, I work at like Empire Records. And she goes, mm, no, you look like you work at Spencer's. <laughs> and I was like, Spencer's? And she goes, oh, yeah, sure. selling blow up dolls and, and lava lamps to people. <laughs> Whoa. Oh my God. Dude. That's so, savage. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, dude. Shit. John's wife is fucking savage. 
I love her, but we do have a very Spencer's reference. Yeah, she went deep on it. I remember I got this hat from Fright Rags. It was like my Michael Myers like Halloween hat, and I was so pumped about it. And like I went to put it on, and I was like, "Ooh, it's a little fucking tight." And I was like stretching it out, and I like wear it over to John's. And the first thing Brittany says to me is like, "Hat a little tight, bud." <laughs> God damn you, Brittany! Is that a vacuum seal? <laughs> uh, okay, I do have a family antic, but it's a little, it's mildly inappropriate. But I'll, oh, I'll right, tell dude, yeah. if you guys. That want. means it's way appropriate. Yeah. Okay, so. Uh, I, one of the people I live with, I, I live with my wife and then I also, we have a roommate and that's, uh, our bass player slash guitar player for the band Aslan. And we are in the process of trying to find a, a new place to live right now. And today we went to look at a house together, um, Aslan and I, cause my wife was working and we're walking around in this house. It's really cool. You know, it's a good vibe. I think you know, we actually did apply for the house. Um, but we go downstairs and we're just taking the tour. They let us take kind of have free reign. And Aslan's like, hey, yo, come in, come in into the bathroom. And I was like, I don't, I don't think we have to look at the bathroom together. And he's like, oh, come in here. And there's just a mostly smoked roach just sitting. Oh, okay. <laughs> sitting in the bathroom, just like on the sink because people still live there right now. Uh, wow. And we were just like, oh, okay. All right. This is a very lived in home. And, we and you just, know your application is going to be approved immediately. <laughs> and we walk up the stairs and I'm like, do I say something about the roach to the guy? And he's like, no, we, we don't say anything about the roach. And I was like, okay. And so <laughs> we walked out, but a family had walked into the bathroom right after us. Oh, and then they, they followed us up the stairs and um, the uh, guy showing the house, he's like, what do you, what do you think? And I just hear them go, um, <laughs> and then we just walked out. Um. And left. <laughs> so that's my, that's my antic for the day. Nice. <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of stuff you honestly just can't make up and just happens mm-hmm. as you go throughout life for sure. All right, so John, what are you wearing? Okay, so in commemoration of our recent uh, episode we did on Patreon, we we did a watch through of one of our favorites of all times, the Monster Squad. I have my Stephen King rules uh, T-shirt on, same one from the movie. I love awesome. it. Awesome, I love it. I need to get one too. I don't know why I don't have one. How about you, Gabe? What you wearing, buddy? I've got my shining T-shirt on. Um, it's a peach colored shining T-shirt, and it says uh, a masterpiece of modern horror. Unfortunately, I didn't get it from anywhere cool uh, like you guys get your stuff. My mouth got literally it. was like, Jamie's looking at me. It's it's poised in the... Where do I get it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Like it is the, the W. You do have the little... Yeah. As to where, but... Um, I got I got. We always it call at, that uh, the Jeff Bezos special. Yeah. Because <laughs> someone on Amazon made it. This this is a little bit better than an Amazon. I got it from Cotton On. I don't know if they have those uh, where you guys are located but i up in minneapolis they have a couple of them it's just like a, a chain store so i got it there i they had like a a halloween special i picked up a couple shirts i do hate like wandering through target sometimes during halloween time because i'm always like do i buy this generic ass <laughs> what am i gonna not buy a yeah. friday 13 shirt from target when i'm just there getting diapers do i buy this one? baby yoda slasher film shirt <laughs> exactly you gotta pick it up yeah <laughs> Well, I'm wearing the uh, David Slobodnik, our buddy David. Yep. Um, I'm wearing the, what's the name of this pumpkin? Jack the Lantern. The name, right? Jack, Jack the Lantern. Lantern, yeah. Uh, John and I both have matching, um, <laughs> they're not identical, but <laughs> they're pretty much matching uh, pumpkin pumpkins from, the, from David. Um, he does tattoos as well um, in the same style as this pumpkin, but it's on a uh, crew neck sweatshirt and it's just the most comfortable fucking thing. Yeah. I was actually well, wearing it uh, earlier, and I wanted to wear it specifically for tonight, 
and then my wife was like cooking something very fragrant like garlicky and like, you know and I'm, mushrooms and i was like oh god i can't wear this in the kitchen <laughs> reek like mushrooms later i'm so glad other people do that yeah i have like a shirt on i mean not right now because there's no shows but i'll have like a specific shirt on that i want to wear to a show and then i'll be making food and be like wait a second i've got to be shirtless for a minute yes yeah i can't ruin i came over for a podcast i remember uh a few months ago and my <laughs> wife had been making tacos and i was sitting and john and i were chatting for a minute and then i was like ah, if i if i smell he was like oh dude <laughs> you smell like cumin and i was like oh fuck <laughs> yeah that's all right oh so i wanted to do something a little surprise for you guys that uh, i didn't consult anyone but uh, i figured since we're here with a musician i figured we would do maybe what have you guys been listening to okay I'm good. So I'll go first. Uh, On the way here, I was pumping Touche Amore, the latest album. Uh, I fucking love that band. What? um, Which? uh, Oh, the latest album? Yeah, the latest one. It's Lament. That one was really good. Yeah. 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 I I love that band. Um, We've discussed stage four. Every album is unique, kind of in its own way, but Lament is uh, the one I've been pumping now. It's that fucking song with Manchester Orchestra. Yeah. Dude. I had the love, window down on my way here. I was like screaming. Oh, love Manchester Orchestra. Um, I've been hitting that new Johnny Booth Oof. track. Uh, I, I just oh, like, I haven't listened to it. Yeah, it just new came track. out. Yeah, last week. Um, super heavy. Is it real heavy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's just what that right, band is. Right, but yeah, but you never know nowadays. Like with hundredth, I know. It's like, like oh, is it heavy? No, it's shoegaze. What? Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, Oceano just uh, puts out a lo-fi oh, album. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but I've been hitting that, and then I always listen to. Um, I guess last year Caspian put out that On Circles oh. album around this time, mm. um, and so it has good. the guy from Pianos Come Teeth on it, and oh, just got. I love that album so much. Yeah, no, so. that's awesome. Uh, I've been listening to actually a lot of music um, lately, which sometimes is not the case depending on kind of what what phase of recording or writing we're in. Um, but lately I just listened through all of the frames discography, um, which if you don't know, you know who that is. Okay. Yeah. 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 For those of you that don't know, it's, it's Glenn Hansard. He's in the movie once. Um, and he also does solo stuff. It's his band. That's kind of how he got started. Um, and how he kind of came to popularity and then obviously once just propelled him, um, that much further. But I, I listened through all of their discography and, and funny enough, they've, some of their songs, they recorded on like five different albums. Like there's one song called God bless mom that I think they just loved so much. It's on like almost every album. <laughs> and so it'd just be funny. Cause I'd be listening through and be like, I swear to God, I just heard this. Do they re-record it or is it? They, they yeah, just... they do. They, oh. they re-record it. Um, so I've been listening to that. Um, I've been listening to, there's this band called CU space cowboy. Um, that's very solid there. It's kind of like a throwback, um, like metal core. Like it, 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 you feel like you're listening to something from the early two thousands. Um, they had, an album called The Correlation Between Entrance and Exit Wounds from 2019 uh, that I just got into. Oh, cool. Um, so that's super good. And then that made me miss the music that I used to listen to. So then I was doing some throwback listening to, you know, Gwen Stacy. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> a Thousand Times Repent, A Plea for Purging, the kind of the stuff that I was into like in high school. Yeah. Nice, man. Yeah. Good, man. Um, 
I guess the last segment is what we've been buying. Jamie, you, you said you haven't bought anything no, since our last recording. Nothing. I I did uh just snag a t-shirt um from a company called Future Monsters. It's uh this this guy, I don't know if it's a guy or girl or multiple people or just one person, but the business model of this company is they they like refurbish um uh, vintage like material to make these like really custom t-shirts pretty much. Uh, and they're all like uh, Universal Monster sort of themed. So I snagged this shirt that's, uh, it's the Swamp Thing and he's like coming out of the lake and he's got a, uh, like a six pack, um, one of those like can holding six pack things that always wrap around the feet of wildlife. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, it's like stuck on his fin and it says like, please keep the swamp clean. <laughs> I um, love that. When you said nice. six pack, I was picturing like a super fucking ripped swamp. Me too. Oh yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I the the brand's awesome. So check it out, futuremonsters.com. Um and they're on uh on social channels too. Nice. Um, I bought a couple horror related things recently. I bought a band shirt actually, um, for a band in a film that we are going to talk about tonight. Um, nice. I just bought that on Etsy from like a, a private store that does their own screen printing. Um, oh, so cool. the band is the Ain't Rights. Ain't Rights. Yeah, yeah nice. So I have, I have a band shirt from them coming. And then I also bought, um, I don't know if you guys have played, have you ever played Until Dawn or do you know too much about it? I I actually, about? I played it a little bit over the summer because my best friend Connor um, keeps talking to me about how I need to play it. And up until like, a month ago, I bought a Nintendo Switch. The last thing I had was like an Xbox. Yeah. Original. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I've played it. Yeah, I'm familiar with like how scary it is and how much there's a story to it. Yeah. So they, the company, I believe they're called Supermassive that made that game has made uh, several other games. And they have a, an anthology series called Dark Pictures where it's basically... Um, it's like the same narrator that comes to you throughout the story, but there's different games um, that are their own contained story and they've each got their own. They introduce, you know, like a like a classic horror film. They introduce four or five characters and you play as all of them throughout the game and your decisions impact whether they are whether the the couple is together or hates each other or, or you know if you pick up a certain thing at a certain time later, you can use that to keep from dying, that sort of thing. I love um, so shit I, like that. Yeah. yeah. So I bought the, the two pack of the, the two current games in the dark pictures anthology that are released, which are um, man of Medan, which is like a ghost ship game. Um, and then uh, little hope, which is kind of reminiscent of like a silent hill game uh where you're kind of in like a creepy, creepy town with like a dark past and there's fog and, and oh, dude. Silent just really, hill. Yeah, I actually so used to play Silent Hill 2 with Jamie's sister, which is weird because Jamie's married to my sister, mm -hmm. and I swear we were just playing video games, man. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I that game was Silent Hill 2 was such like an important part of my childhood. Oh uh, yeah, just it's 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 definitely its own vibe, like just completely. It's such a Silent Hill like is one of those things where when people say it, I just feel I can like Dude. almost you know feel that yeah. whole vibe Same. It creates. Yeah. Wait. I was just sitting here going like, yeah, when they're done talking, I'll chime in and just say like, it just has like its own. It's like feel. wearing a like shirt. I can yeah. feel it. Yeah. 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 So I remember yeah. I bought the like remastered version when we lived in Chicago, John, you remember that? Mm -hmm. How was I mean, that? I used to like get oh, into some dude. video games. When I mean, we it's were the exact same game. It just was, you know, just like looked better. Mm -hmm. I heard I bought this I... switch for my daughter and then I instantly, I instantly downloaded <laughs> Resident Evil 4. 
Mm. And she turned it on and was like, what? Mm. Well, before we uh, get into some, I guess, specific questions for you, Gabe, I do want to welcome, speaking of music, a brand new patron, Phil Hall. Uh, His Instagram handle instantly took us like months and months and months ago. Phil, when you started to engage with us on social media, it's Rise Against Ox. Uh, Rise Against growing up was one of my favorite bands of all time. They're one of uh, the critical, uh, you know, musical acts that like got me into heavier music and huge yeah. for both of us. Yeah, oh, they just they made you realize that like you can like a mixture between punk and hardcore. Uh, AFI kind of did that uh, for us too, mm-hmm. and and we love Rise Against and Phil. We love you too, man. Um, he's got a, a you know beautiful family, and it's just great to see him on Instagram. And and thank you so much for joining us, man. We really appreciate you. Yeah, man, we love uh, having you on there and we love uh, the engagement so yeah welcome already been awesome uh so if if folks would like to join our patreon we do have a five dollar tier and a ten dollar tier so you like phil can join uh and come hang out with us uh, a couple more times a month um another thing we do want to note is by the time this episode airs actually it's live today and you don't even know it but if you were to go to horrordads.com uh, we now have a merch store and a bunch of other stuff too um, on the site. So please check us out on horrordads.com. Uh, make, you know, consider picking up a t-shirt. Uh, we've got our traditional Horror Dads logo and we've got a, a lot of more, a lot more fun stuff in the works, but we're just starting there with that. Uh, we're doing a pre-order for that. Um, last thing of business is uh, please take a moment if you uh, really like the show to Jump on to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review. Um, if you've got feedback uh, on episode topics or things you'd like to hear us discuss, et cetera, uh, feel free to reach out to us on any of our social channels, and we'd love to hear from everybody. You can slide into the DMs. Yeah, slide away. But I, I got to say that that coming soon design on the, on the shop, it's got me. It's real tempting. I'm, yeah, I'm that's uh, that one when it's ready. Our buddy Matt uh, Pepler put that together for us. So he prepped the art files and we've got them ready to roll. So we're going to get through this pre sale and, and stock up some inventory here. And we're, we're really excited about this. We wanted to create a human touch to our distribution process. So we're, we're doing this ourselves. Um, we do have some printing for us locally, but um, we're going to package each one by hand. You'll, you'll have some notes from our kids and some extra stuff in there too so we're we're really looking forward to it can't wait for someone who hates kids um we've talked <laughs> to a couple to be like he's goddamn can't even read this <laughs> yeah so gabe did you did you grow up with like any specific horror films and was like horror part of your your up you know your upbringing or like your family culture i guess well uh not traditional horror no um i thought it would be kind of funny to touch on you know, I was raised in a in a pretty religious home, so I was able to watch stuff like The Passion of the Christ and things of that nature that probably which is horror t- in its own respect, I guess, right? Yeah. That a ten year old probably shouldn't have been watching, because yeah. um, that's how old I was when that film came out, uh, and I saw it in theaters like three times in a row, and we were just taking different families, oh you know, just like let's get in the car and go see Jesus die. Um, but Man. so I could watch stuff like that. But I I wasn't really allowed to watch, you know, any horror movies or anything like that, Um, with the exception of if I would see something come on TV, you know, sometimes I could get away with it. So the first horror film that I ever remember, 
um, you know, seen or at least paying attention to was the original Night of the Living Dead. Um, oh. It came up on TV, and I just remember the scene of the, like, when the zombies, when it first shows them, like, feeding and they're eating, like, what's probably, like, ham, like, lunch meat. <laughs> and I mean, I'm honestly both- looking at the poster hanging right in front of my face, and it, there's this guy, he looks like he's not on ham bone. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so I, I remember seeing that and just being like, whoa, that's pretty, that's pretty fucked up. Um, but I, I'm, I'm interested in this, and I, I was just so fascinated by the idea of, of these people being inside this house um, and you know not being able to, to get out safely and, and having all these, all these things outside up against them. So that was, I think, what really inspired my interest for horror was seeing stuff like that. And I actually ended up using a clip a uh, soundbite from that movie in the first EP. Um, so real brief backstory on Careful Gaze. I won't go into it too heavy, but it was originally called Hunter Dumped Us Here. And the reason for that was I had kind of a little horror movie moment where my friend and I were just walking in the woods of of Iowa. We lived uh, close to a golf course and we went out and we would explore. And I just happened upon an entire deer carcass just oh, completely whoa. completely stripped of its meat so just like the bones with like some chunks of meat still kind of like hanging on and and uh just kind of strewn around this forest and it looked like it had just been like harvested and just left there um oh, and it was so very hunter eerie. dumped us here yeah yeah i got you yeah so it was very eerie and like it just i related it to you know leaving like what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind do you just want to be like bones in the woods or do you want to be something more um but people just thought my name was Hunter. So we ended up changing that. Um, and it kept, it kept, you know, the name kept getting fucked up when we'd go on tour and stuff. Um, which one of the movies later touches that we're going to talk about touches on that. And I just, that hit so close to home. I was like, Oh my God, they feel me. You know, Um, one, one, uh, ironic semblance. We have a friend here that we've made through this podcast that lives locally in Youngstown, Ohio, who, um, repurposes basically the scene that you happened upon. Um, mm-hmm. And he, he's on Instagram as a uh, burial, right? Uh, our buddy Zach. And essentially he does bone art. So he'll That's so cool. Yeah. He does these like wood walks and he finds uh, bones and he, he, he cleans them up um, and then he'll, he'll mount them and he makes this really beautiful, unique artwork from it um, to repurpose it. So that's, yeah, that's just, an, you know, an ironic, you know, similarity to your story and and our life and this podcast yeah no that's that's awesome i i wish that i had known about that whenever i found them and i could have could have donated them um yeah i'll hook you guys up (laughs) yeah i'll go try to find them in iowa next time i'm there i'm just like (laughs) where are you um so so in the first ep under that name um hunter dumped us here i used a sound clip from night of the living dead um, so that's the connection there. And then this is going to get, we're going to get kind of um, into the embarrassing segment. So I'm sorry, um, the embarrassing horror movie segment of my past. But another movie that had a huge influence on me, and I know it's not technically maybe considered like full-on horror, but was Cloverfield. I mean, look, that that whole concept of Cloverfield, Jamie and I are both of the mind of the suspense of not seeing the monster is such right. a critical element of storytelling and a, a lot of what we like, you know, we love the practical effects of monsters, but um, a lot of times it's the, the unknown that has such a scary element to it. And mm-hmm. that kind of found a way to sort of redefine that concept 
after it had, it had been done 300 million times. So, no, I mean, I'm firmly of the mind there are no guilty pleasures and you <laughs> like what you like. So, well, I, I'm glad you think that because I was about to talk about the movie Troll Hunter briefly. Uh, All right. Well, there are guilty pleasures. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you that don't know, that is a found footage movie where it's literally a group of people trying to track down a troll, like a massive (laughs) troll. It's basically Cloverfield, but way worse and with a troll instead of like a a creature from outer space that lands in the sea. Sure. sure. Um, So movies like that, I was really into the found footage for a while, if you couldn't tell. So movies like Record, um, I was really into. And then I started getting into kind of um, a little bit harder stuff like The Descent. Um, I remember some friends of mine had the original thing on. I know you guys like that movie. I'm also a big fan of that movie. Um, That was like probably one of the first like proper like classic horror movies that I saw, I guess maybe besides Night of the Living Dead. so yeah, those were kind of the ones that I, I grew up with um, and what kind of got me interested in horror. But it was always sort of a thing that I did on my own because, again, my parents were not fans of horror movies. I think probably the most intense thing besides The Passion that I watched with them was Sweeney Todd. And, you know, they were like they were in and out of the room for that. And I kind of just got away with it because it was a musical. And I was like, no, I'm a theater kid. It's fine. <laughs> I was going to say that movie's kind of uh, fucking gory as hell for yeah. a religious family. Right. <laughs> but hey, if you can sing Joanna in a major key while you're slitting someone's throat, there's like a, a forgiving quality to it, right? Well, Jamie, you had a similar scenario growing up, right, man? I did, yeah. I don't know that we discussed this before, Gabe, but <clears throat> I grew up in a very religious household as well. So, so I totally feel, feel that like horror came to me kind of late as well. Like, luckily, I had older brothers. Uh, they were like eight and 10 years older than me. So, I grew up watching The Gate, and um, Freddy Krueger was always just like ingrained in my brain because yeah. uh-huh. whatever movies were coming out at the time, they always would watch. And um, my mom would come down and bust me in there and be like, "Jamie, you better get out of that room." <laughs> you know, four years old watching fucking shit I should not be watching. It's oh, amazing. <laughs> so luckily, I had my brothers. But once they left, it was just kind of like horror was not a part of my life until i got older and moved out because it just wasn't something that was allowed you know right for sure it's it's interesting like it's the kind of the double standard i I you know kind of has a negative a negative tone to it but it's just interesting like yeah what families are okay with like you know certain families you can watch lord of the rings you can't watch harry potter or the other way around um and with me it was yeah like i could watch if it was biblical, I could watch pretty much whatever. But if it was like something like horror related, I couldn't. But I, I think I internalized that stuff a little too much because there's literally a picture of me as like a five year old. Uh, I had like my parents had made me my own cross and I would just act out the crucifixion in my living room. Oh, Jesus, whoa. dude. <laughs> and I actually posted that on Reddit recently uh, <laughs> and it got a lot more, a lot more upvotes than I had anticipated. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that that was kind of like my background with that. And and but it did kind of, you know, push me in the direction of of horror because it's kind of this like new world and this escape, which I know you guys sort of talk about on the podcast where it's this it was this other place that I could go to as an only child that was kind of my own thing. Um, that was kind of like, this was my time. Like you get off work as a 17 year old from the pizza place and you come home and, and there's nobody home and you just put on like a horror movie and you eat all your terrible pizza that you got to keep from the buffet. And, and it was just like a, a, it was a happy time in my life when I was first discovering those films. I love that. And mine was gangster rap. (laughs) 
Jamie's still like you've never seen knees move quite so fast as when like mace comes on. Everyone's like, "What the fuck happened?" So wait, Gabe, you worked at a pizza place as a teenager, and your birthday is May twenty fourth. Yep. Um, I've got something to share with you, bud. Oh, let's go. I worked at a pizza place as a teenager, and my birthday is May twenty fourth. So was it Godfather's Pizza? I love that. No, it was a place called Ianazones, oh. and I went to school with Jimmy Ianazone, who was the son, and it literally was like Space Jam. We should John used to wear a Bada Bing's t-shirt all the time, so same thing. <laughs> um, all right, so Gabe, yes. when you're on tour, let's say mm-hmm. like tour kicks off, you can only bring one horror movie with you. What are you bringing? Oh, so if I that's tough because if I can only bring one, man, that's I'm so currently okay. I'm going to do this practically. If it's I would part bring, of a franchise, you're allowed the whole franchise. But if okay, it's thank, so that's perfect. So my answer for this is Hellraiser. I know what you did last summer. We knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my, you said Hellraiser. <laughs> yeah, my answer is Hellraiser, and I know you guys recently talked about Hellraiser. I don't think that Hellraiser is a great movie necessarily either. Um, at least I don't think you get you. I don't remember you saying you liked that one very John much. John despises right? it. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm gonna listen to what you have to say. So so here's the reason. So we recently had a night where we all got together and we're like, let's watch a, a older horror movie we haven't watched before. So we agreed on Hellraiser. So uh the band and I and my wife, we watched Hellraiser. So we've only watched the first one, but we watched a lot of trailers. And I don't know if you guys know this, but I think at one point Henry Cavill um, from like the witcher and mm-hmm. superman he's in one of them like in one of the later ones uh mm. like one of the really shitty looking ones oh, but, there's like 30 of them yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> my you know on tour like you're so busy just doing sometimes important stuff and then sometimes it's just like you're frying tofu on the side of a road um but (laughs) if we have time when we go on our next tour i would like to watch more of the hellraiser films with the band since we've already started that series to kind of see where it goes because i have not seen any of them i had seen most of the first one um before but uh, it was like very much like i was in and out of the room because i used to watch it at work are are preston and, and aslan into horror like you are not as well preston is um he likes uh i think he was into like haunting of hill house and stuff like that um on netflix i will be honest with you talk about feeling guilt and, guilty sh- pleasures, and shame yeah. i mean that I, I i don't think it's necessarily a guilty pleasure i think it's just something that's a pleasure but me describing how scared that had me as uh-huh. a 33 year old man with two <laughs> children i i honest to god I think I locked the door. I was like Casey Becker locking the door five times that night before bed. <laughs> Which one is that? I always get confused between the fucking Catherine Zeta Jones and the other one. No, the the show, the Netflix show. Oh, uh, Haunted oh, Hill House. Gotcha. Yeah. <clears throat> and didn't the is is that Mike Flanagan? Is that his name? Didn't he do Doctor Sleep? He did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I I haven't seen Hill House, but I did see Doctor Sleep, and I I liked that. Um, but yeah, Preston he he likes horror. Um, Aslan is is you know. It can, he it could he could take it or leave it, but he is a good sport when it comes to watching stuff with us, um, and it kind of just depends on on what the film is. I mean, I'm sure sometimes he walks in the house and hears what I'm watching, and is just like, "Oh, good, we're doing this again." Um, I was I think I was watching I was watching that uh, triggered movie that you guys oh yeah uh, oh yeah about. yeah it's a good one 
It is. I, I enjoyed it. And it was in like a scene with a lot of screaming. And he, he got home and just like immediately <laughs> went to his room. I was like, I should probably turn this down. This isn't a great thing to come home to. Welcome well, that, home from work. That's streaming <laughs> yeah. for free now, right? Is it on Hulu? I think so. I, 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 don't, I bought it on, or not bought it. I rented it on Prime. Okay, yeah. I think, I it's, think, it I just, think it's on Hulu or something. Yeah, just nice. recently. That's awesome. But yeah, I would, I'd probably take Hellraiser. Um, the other thing I thought about, you know, if, it's, if we can do like a show i'd probably start to explore um i think it's room 104 is what it's called again with it's mark duplass's like anthology horror show have you seen that jamie i dude i've seen it only a couple episodes but it's always so intriguing and great Same. so i haven't been on a plane Dark. since from february of 2020 but i used to fly a couple times a month for work mm -hmm. and um typically i fly american airlines because of work but they always have on the app like a select number of films or shows you can watch and room 104 was always on there no oh. and they would actually like rotate the content and keep it pretty current so i used to watch it on the plane you know a couple episodes a month and yeah i mean it it was always kind of like you know they're clunkers and yep. there are great ones just like yeah. like any anthology yeah. show like that yeah but yeah that shows that shows good it's very interesting uh gabe so back on the I, I guess since we're going to talk about music in horror and horror that revolves around music, do you have any favorite soundtracks, favorite uh, songs that come to mind from horror films? Yeah. Um, I am a big fan of 28 days later. And oh yeah, dude. I'm a big fan of the fact that I, I really like just in general, the genre of post-rock. I know we talked about Caspian um, and 28 days later, you guys probably know this has a Godspeed you black emperor song in it. Um, in the scene where the main character is walking through the city and kind of realizing yeah. like what all has happened, that's a that's the song East Hastings by twenty eight or by by twenty eight days later by Godspeed You Black Emperor. Um, so, and just but not only that song, but just in general, like that whole soundtrack is so they do such a a great job of like making you feel the in, uh, intensity of like the more chaotic moments. And just the way that they did that film with like the the weird digital cameras they were using for kind of like the jumpy scenes. Um, you know, I could go off on my own whole thing about that movie. But um, I love that soundtrack. Um, have you guys seen Mandy? Yeah, I you have, right? You, you saw it with Brittany, didn't you? We didn't get through all of it. Brittany was not into <laughs> Mandy. Yeah. Um, it, it's a, I, I understand because it's a, it's a tough, <laughs> tough film. Um I it is not think, casual. No, no, not. no, you gotta, you gotta commit to that one. That's for sure. I, it's I really watched pretty. It. I mean, it's I, like, yeah. And that's what I like shot. about the soundtrack is, is it's so like surreal and dreamy and, and dark and like it's when it needs to be, it's, it's very foreboding. And when it needs to be, it's very like beautiful, just kind of like that film. It's got moments of reprieve and, and moments that are, you know, not super scary and, sure. and disturbing and then it's got you know the next thing there's like a naked guy in a all red room um <laughs> and the next thing you know nicholas cage has a giant chainsaw um but i I really like that that uh soundtrack and then the last so i did i sorry i picked more than one but the last the last one right, that came to mind when you when you asked me this was uh blood machines it's kind of like a sci-fi movie but sort of a horror thing so the carpenter brute yeah, it's done by Carpenter yeah. Root, and it's just very synthy, like it's very like synth wave feel. Um, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of soundtracks like that, so that Same. one's also 
on my list of, of top soundtracks. I actually uh, played that one out myself when it came out because <clears throat> I'm a big Carpenter Brew fan. I'll, I'll nice. walk in and Jamie will just be like frying eggs to like <laughs> to synth music <laughs> way like It's yeah. honestly like a rave in there, but like <laughs> everyone's doing what they normally would be doing in the house around. Like my sister will be like dusting and I'm like, are you... <laughs> Can you hear what's happening in here? It just makes you feel alive. You got to fry eggs to some carpenter brute sometime. It's just... I'm actually very new to the uh, synthwave. Like within the past year, I discovered this. Yeah. Um, I just kind of got not bored, but like I needed something new. And um, I kind of started listening. And I was like, wait a second. It's like I'm listening to a carpenter soundtrack kind of, mm-hmm. um, which I guess, I guess that's where the name sort of comes from. But I, like I'll throw on like any carpenter soundtrack at any time and just I'll be good. Yeah. Allow me to recommend uh Time Cop 1983. Dude, I I love it. I love it all. I'm like I'm I'm now like a synthwave total nerd. Like you mentioned I probably Allow me to I recommend love it. Yeah. Over easy to <laughs> <laughs> Allow me to recommend Eggland. Yeah, Time Cop is so good, man. What I love about synthwave is so I'm a huge 80s guy and it just like takes me back, you know. Mhm. Yeah, that it's it's definitely it's like instant nostalgia. Yeah, so I, I love when horror instant. movies incorporate that sort of vibe. Um, I think that that's a, a very powerful tool. Um, so that, yeah, as soon as I like, honestly, the soundtrack in the trailer is kind of what got me to watch that movie. Yeah. Well, how about It Follows, that fucking soundtrack yeah. by Disaster Piece? So goddamn good. super good, too. Yeah. yeah. What about within your own music? I know, I, just to quickly fan out again real quick, if, if I may. <laughs> um but the line, there's something evil in these woods. Like, I cannot tell you the amount of times I sing that oh in my, my head. My wife They're actually always... hates me yeah. because, like, I'll be cook- <laughs> speaking of cooking. I'll be like, there's something evil in these woods. And it's always and in a high like, falsetto. And it's like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> I sound yeah. terrible. And she's like, Jamie, come on. You've said that exact phrase 37 times. Yeah. So, but so clearly that track, um, you know, it's got some some horror elements. But do you want to yeah. talk through a couple tracks and, like, maybe yeah. films that inspired some of those tracks real quick? Definitely. So Forest Art, which is the song you guys are talking about, is very... Do you want me to sing it for you? <laughs> yeah. I think you should sing There's Something Evil in These Eggs next time and just kind of like oh my you know, God, switch it dude. up a little bit, Something see what happens. John will do a synth, a synth score <laughs> yeah, in the back. A synth wave cover of it. Yep. <laughs> Forest Egg. Um, <laughs> it's Forest Art is very... Uh, influenced by the ritual and by the uh the witch the a24 uh, film both so good yeah those just like and and again even you know going back to kind of the the origin of of the name hunter dumptus here which we were first called before we changed it um that just kind of that vibe of you know being out in the forest and and something might be behind you but you don't know what it is and in the in the song forest art specifically it's a metaphor for basically how we as humans are kind of our own greatest enemy um you know rather than some big reveal that there's a a creature stalking you it's it's really just yourself and and just kind of us as people as a whole are kind of our own undoing a lot of times um so that that song plays with that concept and you know basically talks about um becoming like a bloody mural in the woods um, that people will find one day and hopefully yeah. learn from to see that that our actions and our our lack of actions and our our apathy is often what just un, undoes us as as people and and you know sometimes as a society so 
that's that's how I worked that into Forest Art. Um, the EP that that is from is called Loud Howls, The Eternal Wolf, and that whole that whole EP is is just like the artwork and everything is is meant to kind of be reminiscent of you know like a a horror film. Um, I mean, the colors on the um, the cover, just like the rich green emerald of the dress yeah. and uh, the color of the hair too. Um, but I, I feel like that sentiment that you just described too. I think it's the single track you guys uh, did when I leave and also yeah. last year, right? Yep. That was another one. Yeah. I feel like there's similar, um, um, when I say notes, I don't mean musical notes, but like similar themes to what you just described in that song too, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So, so when I leave, um, was an interesting, an interesting undertaking. So that was a standalone and it actually has a, a short novel with it that I wrote. Um, oh, no sure. and you can get that at, uh, our band camp, but basically, yeah, I was, so it was, I had been playing to be completely honest. I had been playing the remake of resident evil two a lot. Um, oh, it's my favorite, it's my favorite yeah, game of all time. I think keep in mind, this is like probably, oh man, it was probably two months into, to heavy quarantine. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing this thing in 2020 where I'm running every day of the year. So I've always got to get out and do a run. And I had found this spot down by the river and I went out and I was, I started my run. I was on like, a, I think four or five miles and, you know, you just played a bunch of silent, uh, sorry, resident evil two. You're out there. You see like somebody literally there was like this old person with a mask on standing in the middle of the trail, just completely motionless. What? Oh, and dude. I was like, this is where it ends. It's I'm done. It's done. This is where I go. Um, they're going to start spraying blood out of their mouth all over my face and I'm, yep. I am fucked. <laughs> yep. It's over. And, and just like that vibe of, it was so weird to be, to be around anyone that you would see people on a trail and it would be like, you kind of yeah. just felt the shared tentative feeling where you're like, are we going to kill each other? Like it was just this weird vibe. Um, and so then I, not only did that happen, but I ran by this very industrial, uh, area, this power plant. And it was just this big looming structure in front of me. Um, and so in my mind, like we had been working on this song and in my mind, I just started to develop like this entire story around it and this entire, um, scenario, you know, where someone lives in this kind of corrupt town where nothing really happens, but there's something deeper, you know, it's not like any, any groundbreaking storyline or anything like that, but I do think it's a pretty special, um, little novel. So yeah, that's, so I paired that with the song. And so the song is basically like a plot summary and then the synopsis, the full plot is within that book. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what, when I leave is about, and it's very horror influenced too. Like there's some, some weird shit that happens in it. Um, and it, I, there's a lot, you know, from my past, like I mentioned with my religious upbringing that, that goes into that too. Um, and I'm actually working on a sequel book and, um, group of songs to that as well that hopefully will be released this year at some point. I love that. Yeah, uh, that's amazing, man. I wanted to ask real quick, did you guys set out to be a political band? Um, or is it just something that kind of, um, was dictated by the political climate, um, and the current regime or that it was know, really that. Yeah, it, 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 we didn't set out to. It, it just happened. Um, you know, it's it's. I've always tried to use my music to talk about what I feel like other bands are not talking about enough. Um, especially like in our genre of of whatever the hell we are. You know, post hardcore, yeah. um, emo. You know, whatever it may be, the genres that we kind of hang in. Um, there's 
there's not i mean obviously there's there's bands that have always been we've always had bands that have been political but specifically in our scenes and stuff there's kind of a a, a lack of that and so like i've always tried to use our music to talk about things that i think are important and you know give people a home in a scene that maybe wouldn't normally feel at home um it, oh. I was going to say it's funny because your lyrics are so fucking like they're so accessible. It's not yeah. it, it, it's not like you're standing on a platform shouting shit, you know, like preaching. It's mm-hmm. just like like the shit you say about like um fuck like uh kneeling on the football field. Just there's certain lyrics that you say where I'm just like, "Oh my god." It's like almost crop like of bones when you do that spoken word, I'm like, I will fucking jump out of my car and march <laughs> and preach right now with the it's eggs. Almost like you're, uh, like you're you're putting an umbrella up real quick, and it's like, hey, if you need to come under here for a second with me, yeah. I, I I got you. Or if you don't, that's yeah. fine too. But like, if you need if you need solace for a second, and if you're a listener of this show, I feel like uh, Gabe's lyrics and his content will really fucking touch a nerve. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I oh, go ahead. I was just going to say last year too, like I kind of, you know, went on a musical endeavor with, with Mike, my, my good friend, Mike, who I'd mentioned before that introduced uh, us to, to your music. And it really was like in response to that. I basically was like having conversations that I couldn't have elsewhere. Right. Um, and it, it was like a, almost a vessel for communication that like, I didn't know how to manage these things I was feeling and it was like, I kind of had to, like, it was, it allowed me to access some sanity through basically the worst year of everyone's life. Right. Right. I mean, and I don't want to, you know, make your specifically your guys podcast, uh, you know, unnecessarily political, but being specifically in Minneapolis, um, in 2020 was obviously a a pretty wild time. Um, and so, without going into an unnecessary amount of detail, I will say that, you know, I experienced uh, a lot of shit and, and saw a lot of shit. And it was a very small, small, small portion compared to what a lot of the community experienced. Um, but sure. you can't come out of that. I mean, you can, I can't come out of that and not talk about it and not be changed by it. Um, and so that was something that was definitely influential in our lyrics. And it was one of those things where I was like, well, I could be, I could be in a band and I could only talk about myself and, or, you know, metaphors, which is not, you know, that's not to slam bands that do that by any means. Um, or I could use this as, as a place to create dialogues that I feel like need to be created. Um, and I like to think, you know, our band is all pretty open-minded people. Um, we all came from a, you know, kind of a religious upbringing and, and have kind of gone away from from that but we try to be as open-minded as possible um you know and accepting of people but to really just talk about things that we feel like need to be talked about and that maybe people that would normally be listening to music like ours aren't going to hear about um so yeah that's kind of the the inspiration behind the lyrics yeah man i mean fucking really resonates with me and it makes so much sense that you have that i was actually uh, i have notes in here to ask you about your just like your upbringing, I was going to ask you if you had a religious upbringing because like the song glue, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. one really fucking, that's like, dude, those lyrics in there, like, uh, why will your followers someday hate the ones you die for? Yeah. When you're talking about, uh, jumping inside the church puzzle. Yeah. Like, like when I heard that, I was yeah, like, yeah. Oh my God. Like I rewound it and listened to it again. <laughs> um, and then like, fuck, like 
uh, I haven't found a verse meaning the in the Bible yet where you kill for the sake of country or picketed uh, a local female clinic. I mean, yeah. goddamn, dude, <laughs> fucking perfect. Thank you. Thank because you. as a you know, as somebody who grew up in that environment, it's like you're constantly um, surrounded by hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, so for you to kind of like recognize that and call it out was just like, for me, it was so poignant and perfect. Well, that's, that's, you know, I, I appreciate hearing that feedback. Um, that was a, a thing that, that was obviously going on before last year. Cause, cause that album came out in, in 2019. So I was, I was seeing things like that happen. But then after last year, I saw even more of that where, where I saw these people that are supposed to be, you know, loving and accepting by, by the, the faith that they practice. Right. I just saw them turning into essentially monsters and, and just like not looking at people as people. Um, but, but looking That's the theme, we certainly experienced in some of the films that, that, that we're going to get into here. Right. One million percent. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and so seeing that it, it was even elevated more, um, you know, in, in 2020. So loud howls, the eternal wolf is, it explores a lot of those themes, you know, it has some personal themes, um, but it also explores a lot of that. And at the end of the EP, it's, it's basically the world. It's a, it's kind of like a, I guess, a parable about the world being destroyed. Um, and the, the events, you know, are kind of based around the, uh, poem, um, America, a prophecy by William Blake. Um, which is an old, old poem, I think from like the 1700s. Um, and that's where we took the title from. So that's all kind of, again, bringing it back to like horror imagery, that's all kind of influenced by that. And I tried to weave that in, you know, to, I don't know, I'm not going to change. I don't think I'm going to change anybody's mind single, single handedly, um, or single wordedly, but yeah. And I don't think any, I don't want to speak for you, but I don't think that's anyone's intent with with any of this it's more just mm-hmm. like hey i'm going to provide a little bit of perspective and yeah i feel like as an artist the best thing a person can do is to deliver something that allows somebody uh to potentially challenge them to make a decision that's right for them and that's like right. what when when i have conversations even even with this podcast or with the music that you know that i've worked on when someone says like hey it really led me to this and I hear that and I'm like, man, that most certainly was not my, you know, my intent behind that, but I'm glad that it allowed you to access this, like whether it pissed you off or mm-hmm. gave you comfort or like whatever it is, I'm, I'm glad it evokes something to yeah. allow you to, you know, you know, experience some sort of growth from it. That, that's, I think the best thing that, that you can get from, from it. Absolutely. And, and, and if nothing else, you know, it's a, it's a time capsule. So if nothing else, you know, people can listen back to, to like the EP, um, from the end of 2020 and, and, you know, kind of hear the, I guess the emotion and, and the, the anger and the confusion and, and the sadness that came out of that year, um, and kind yeah. of that, that we were expressing through, through what we created. So I think, I think that's, you know, the, the beauty in it. You listen to some of the, the old albums, um, you know, certain albums from the nineties are like that, where you can just hear, you can hear what was happening, you know, in the, in the climate, the social climate around the time that those were released. Um, and I think that's just a really powerful thing. I mean, we were talking about rise against they like, they were one of the pioneers for, for doing that for real. Yeah. I love, I was going to say that earlier. I love rise against. Um, all right. Well, if you were able to score a horror film, um, like let's say, they were going to do a reboot and you had the opportunity to score or 
contribute some sort of musical mm-hmm. um, support to a, a film, uh, which would you pick? So I think, I think my my initial answer that comes to mind would be um, either like a twenty eight days later reboot or like let's maybe say twenty eight months later, um, yeah. hmm. you know something like that. Because again, it's it's very like post rock kind of like instrumental rock influenced, um, and I would love to do something like that because I twenty eight years later. Yeah, 28 years later. Um, and, and you know, I was always hoping for a third one, to be honest. So whether it was a sequel or if it was a complete reboot, I would love to to score something like that. Um, and then the I, another one that kind of comes to mind is um, Event Horizon. I mm. That's uh, kind of a left field. What did we watch that for? Uh, something with Matt, right? It was with Matt Pepler and uh, Brian. Yeah. It was with the post-credits, guys. Yeah, we, we just... Um watched that a few months ago yeah it's kind of, it's a weird movie um it, and it the it cost like 300 movie. zillion dollars to make and i think it made like 80 bucks yeah. yeah the the production of it like the is that's a whole interesting thing like the production of it was kind of plagued and and i think you know not really the movie that they wanted to release so i would love to do again like i'm really into kind of like the synth synth like space vibe and everything yeah. and i that movie if i remember correctly has kind of a more like traditional score but i would love to take it and create some kind of just like you know synth wave like vhs sounding shit with it that just really gives it like a a specific vibe so love those that. would be my choices 28 some sort of 28 days later project and then uh, event horizon dig it man um well we can jump into some some movies here but before we do that do you want to plug what you're currently working on what you got upcoming yeah, yeah, definitely. So the the EP we talked about again is called Loud Howls: The Eternal Wolf. You can find that everywhere um, online on all the major streaming uh, sources. We're going to be doing a single, a standalone single um, here in like the spring summertime, um, and that will be available on all of that as well. And we're also working on um, another album, like a full length album. We've got a lot of a lot of content we're working on right now. So I would just say. Follow us at Careful Gaze, just at Careful Gaze on social media. Um, you'll see all the the stuff we're working on. I also do solo stuff if you like sad singer-songwriter stuff, um, just under Gabriel Reasoner. Um, and then I'm also, I was talking about it a little bit with you guys, but I'll be doing like a, a louder and a heavier band that isn't officially um, announced yet, but that's something that I'm going to be doing in the summer as well. Yeah, and on your Patreon too, um, there's some bonus content. You guys do a bunch of covers and stuff yeah. <laughs> um, for some bands that a lot of us grew up with. And uh, Gabe had put some of uh, his solo stuff that he's been working on on there, too. So uh, if, if you find that you like the music, uh, definitely consider joining their Patreon uh, for five bucks a month. You get a lot of access to it. Like <laughs> as a Patreon, um, you know, admin, Jamie and I, like it's it's hard to run a Patreon and you want to serve your community well. And we appreciate everyone like taking the time a to spend additional time with us and spend hard earned money on on us. Um, these guys really take care of their patrons and, and give consistent content. That's good. I appreciate that. We yeah, we try to give people you know, a lot of stuff every month to like either, you know, we do a podcast ourselves where it's just kind of us talking. We'd go through albums and things like that and talk about dumb tour stories and, 
and things like sure, some, yeah. one time I was told the entire plot of a video game by someone at my merch table during a, <laughs> another band set that I really wanted to see. Um, <laughs> we talk about things like that. We, we do covers from anything, you know, like the chariot to Paramore to prefab sprout. So, um, yeah, definitely. We try to do a lot of stuff on there. Um, do you guys do the music cover too? Like the, for the chariot, for example, I listened to that, which sounded great by the way. Uh huh. Oh, um, do we do like the ba- like the backtrack, like the backing stuff? Yeah. 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 We do it all. Oh goddamn! So yeah, I mean so that it's band. <laughs> it sounded like the song. So <laughs> we we had to get down to I believe it's it's either G or G sharp for the music people out there. We had to you know the guitars. We normally for some perspective we play in either like a a slightly lower standard tuning or we play in like drop C. Um, and we had to go all the way down to G for the chariot for the end. So Jesus, there's yeah, some, those guys. some fun stuff yeah. on there. They're muddy. Do yeah. love that band though. Uh, cool. All right. You guys want to get into some movies? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's go for it. Oh, we didn't talk about the order, but you know how I am about I know an order. It's chronological. So I actually, do you have like, I didn't go chronological on this. I'm going to go by the length of the main character's hair. There we go. I, I actually, right. I went really <laughs> far out of chronology. Here. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to start with a 2015 movie first. <laughs> Wait, why? What's the thought, thought process? It's literally the order I watched them in. Okay, there the we notes. go. <laughs> the one time we're all counting on you for something clever, and it's like, yeah, well, no, There's no cleverness to this. It's literally, I just watched them in this order. All right, then. And I had a hard time finding the last one, so that's why it's all right, last. All right, so I know which one it is. Let's go. Okay, you, why don't you introduce this? All right, we're going to go with 2015's Green Room. Okay, I'm with the Eight Rights from Washington, D.C. You guys are hard to find. Want to know social media presence? Music is shared live. It's time and aggression. You got to be there. Sorry, guys. Got to clear up. Follow me. And then it's over. Holy shit. Hold you to follow. Stop! You can't keep us here and gotta let us go. We're not keeping you, you're just staying. We're so fucking dead, guys. What do we do? Oh shit. This will be over soon, gentlemen. Directed by Gabe, if you wouldn't mind pronouncing this person's name so I don't butcher it. I believe it's Jeremy Saulnier. I just looked it up earlier. Okay, perfect. Saulnier. Uh, Jeremy Saulnier, uh, starring our boy Anton Yelkin. Rest in peace. Absolutely love that yeah. human being's uh, work. Oh my God, dude. Uh, it makes me sad every day yeah. thinking about it. I, so young. Uh, I didn't realize he was in this the first time around. Like I knew he looked familiar, but I couldn't place it. And then when I rewatched it, I realized it was him and it just made the movie that much more emotional for me. Yeah. And if you listen to John and I, like we love that dude, yeah. we love every movie he's in pretty much. Mm-hmm. And oh, fuck. I, the thing is, is I honestly, I forget that he's fucking dead. And the yeah. other day I was like, Oh, green room with our boy. And then John was like, yeah, well, our boy's dead. And I was like, God, fuck. I know, dude. John. Uh, even Jim Poots is in this as well. Mm. Love me some. Those two starred in um, the remake of Fright Night together. I I always forget he's in the remake of Fright Night because I try to avoid that. I know you do. Go back. The CGI. CGI sucks. I know, know, but the movie's good. Fuck off. All right. I just love Fright Night so much. Don't just. So do I. 
uh and patrick fucking stewart yeah what is not only in this movie but he's like in this movie and he and has he's a great in it he he's such so a, great. Yeah. this movie's dark this is oh, a dark it is uh yeah. this is like wearing a comforter that was burned like in the fire on. first mm-hmm. yeah. yeah uh but the the general um so we're going to talk about three films that i i had not seen any of these three films so that's not to say i'm really yeah god john so i'm i'm going to horror noob over here <laughs> um the plot of this episode though is a punk rock band is forced to fight for survival after witnessing a murder at a neo-nazi skinhead bar um and like that, if you heard that description is that something you'd want to watch i don't think <laughs> well, i'm glad i'm glad i watched the yeah. movie though it no, sounds like me on tour <laughs> <laughs> part of the reason i like this movie so much is and also hate it that much at the same time uh, and i mean that in a loving way is that it literally feels like it's two or three steps from situations I've been in, like across the country on tour. Sure. Yeah. Like you, you. F- I'll I'll go into it, but like they they capture just this very specific feeling from kind of you know sketchy shows, um, and they just do it so well. So I got to ask you guys this question. I agree with the band and their sentiment. However, if you found yourself in that club. And you knew all those guys probably had steel-toed boots and switchblades. Would you open with the song no. "Fuck You Nazi Punks"? <laughs> no, I would get the fuck out of there. <laughs> I would. I would not only not play the set, but if I did play the set, I would. I I would play what they wanted to hear. I'd be like, "Hey, w- did you guys have something in mind, uh, gentlemen? Did you have something in mind? Because uh, I need to fucking get out of here quickly." When they get on stage, Anton Yelkin does say like. This was a bad move. Should we do this? <laughs> yeah. And then afterwards, they're like, that was a cover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And every time they show Anton Yelkin playing, he's like, you can tell, like, he's thinking, like, I fucked up. <laughs> yeah. I fucked up. Did you know that they all, um, so I believe he actually could already play his instrument. And I believe um, the bassist could play um, in real life. But the drummer and the, the vocalist, like, they specifically, all of them played their own parts and, like, tracked it for this movie. Um, and like some of them had to literally learn, like the drummer literally learned how to play drums Whoa, for this movie. That's great. That's like one of the hardest instruments to learn. So mm-hmm. I, I yeah. definitely think that's the hardest one to play. It's amazing. I did not know that. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. I really loved the um the radio dude that they stay with at the beginning. I love that <laughs> yeah. dude. Yeah. And again, well, with capturing... no, I booked you at a Mexican place. <laughs> oh, but that scene okay, so that show. So Jamie, you've played live shows. Yeah. I played live shows, Gabe. Obviously, you have. Yeah. Who has not been there before? That right. Mexican restaurant where there are like four people and two of them are your your dad. Uh, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's so many. I mean, we literally even the last tour we went on in, in late um, 2019, we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it was like a Tuesday night, and we just got we had gotten booked at this bar that's just not even in the main like drag of downtown. It's just like almost in an industrial area. And there's like no foot traffic, and we literally got paid seventeen dollars, oh, um, and and just played to like a few people that happened to be sitting at the bar, and we stayed with a member of a band that opened for us. And I'm not kidding; it was like I thought we were going to end up in in a green room green room situation because we went back to his to this person's house, and it was very nice of him to let us stay. But there's a sawed off shotgun on the counter, 
and there's like all this weird art all around. There's like a skeleton, literally a skeleton, um, like a model skeleton in the living room. And I was like, this is, we might need to, we might need to go. We might need to not sleep here. But uh, we slept there. I didn't sleep. I laid on the floor <laughs> and tossed and turned. Uh, and then Aslan was like, oh, I slept there. great. What a restful night. <laughs> I uh. was like, how did you, we could be dead. Um, but they, they get that vibe just like so perfectly. Um, and Macon Blair is another person that's in this movie. He plays Gabe, uh, funny enough, the, which is kind of like mm-hmm. the, the guy that's in charge of, of booking things and the I guy love that kind, guy. Of, kind of gets caught up in it. And so the cool thing is him and, uh, Jeremy, the director have worked together pretty much always. They were like childhood friends. Um, so he's in murder party. Um, which Jeremy Sonier also directed. And I don't know, have you guys seen Blue Ruin? I was going to mention it. If you didn't mention I was going to, yes. Mm-hmm. That's I another love, movie. I, I love movies like that. Yeah. John does not. I mean, I I don't even know why I'm here. I've not seen yeah. any of these movies. <laughs> it's, another, it's another Jeremy Sonier directed film, and uh, Macon Blair is the star of that one. And he basically talked about, you know, he has this theme of creating movies where people are kind of in over their heads, like normal everyday people. So in this in this case, just kind of like a, Hell, a that's a Hitchcock theme for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a punk band that just shows up because um, we've all been been there. You know, if you've if you've toured where you've gotten screwed over and and maybe you make it up at the next show, maybe you don't. And in this case, the I felt like the guy that booked them, the uh, I think his name was Tad, was such a realistic portrayal of like <laughs> that kind of awkward, fleeting relationship you have where you don't really know this person, but you're in their house. And like you talk with them and, and, you know, I would never choke somebody out if I didn't get paid <laughs> at a show. Um, but I felt like the rest of that was very realistic. Um, Ted, yeah. I love that guy. Ted. Yeah. With the mohawk. Yeah. Good, good job, Tad, except bad job. Cause you got a lot of people killed. But um, when I rewatched it, I was like, did Tad set them up because he got choked out? <laughs> yeah. You almost do. You're almost like, Oh, was this just his upon his rewatch? Revenge? I was like, yeah. Wait, is yeah. it like, oh, you know what? Before you go, but you love um, Ted. I do have a place where you could <laughs> fucking play and maybe get murdered. I, I mean, in my Choke mind, me out, you son of a bitch. I thought Ted set them up. <laughs> I don't, I don't think he did. I think Ted, Ted, do you think like, he did? Gabe? I, no, I don't think because to me, and maybe this is me projecting from my own experience, but to me, he's just the guy that just wants, you know, he's got a good heart. He just wants to bring bands through um, to his local scene and doesn't always maybe plan the best and, and doesn't, you know, he's trying to keep a scene alive. Um, and sometimes he gets in these situations where it's kind of awkward because he has them play to, to no one. Um, so to me, it was very much like I've been in that situation before, you know, booking bands where it's like not as many people come as, as you want to. And, and it's, mm-hmm you have to decide like, how do I take care of the band that just traveled to be here? Um, so I don't think yeah. in my mind in the, in the storyline, I don't think he set them up. Uh, but I'm, I'm open to the idea. I did not think that the first time. And the second time I was like, well, maybe he did send them off with tacos though. I, I yeah. honestly, I don't, I don't think, he, I think he just was trying to, uh, recover and give them any gig they, they could get. And they're not really, cause how's he supposed to know fucking, some girl's going to get murdered, right? Right. Well, what else do you want to say about the movie? There's a lot to say, really. Me? Uh, do you guys? Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, go ahead, Gabe. Gabe, yeah, what are, what are your general thoughts on this film? I I love it. Um, it's, it's hard to watch. 
obviously, um, especially because, but it, they do such a great job of getting you invested in the characters. You know, you spend so long with the characters and, you know, kind of becoming attached to them that then when they start to, you know, actually die off, which feels like it happens actually pretty late in the movie. Yeah, um, I feel like it definitely does. Yeah, yeah, like that's that's when you start to, they, you know, they really, I feel like, pull on your heartstrings because you get attached to them. Um, and and they give you like a false hope of like, oh, no, they got this. They're in control. Right, right. And but I think there's so many things that this film does well. Um, I love the kind of the opening shot of, of Pat waking up in the van and then like sitting up in front of the window. It's just such a, a beautifully shot uh, scene. Um, and it's it like just the opening moments where they're like on the road, like it, it feels so good. And it, it just it feels like it really captures that essence of like a band of of friends on tour, just like trying to make it work. Um, so I think they encapsulate that yeah. very well. And like the thing I mentioned this earlier, but when they roll up and the the band name is wrong and it says like the aren't rights. I just felt that so hard because we've had so many times we've rolled up and been like, oh, cool. Careful Glaze is playing tonight. Or, uh, <laughs> or like when we were called Hunter Dumped Us here, like, oh, uh, Hunter Dumped Us Off is playing. Or uh, the band with too damn long of a name, they literally put that on a, oh my God. On a marquee once. Um, so like that, I really connected with that. And but, man, but yeah, the I scene just, when they're like doing the bonfire by the river and like there's no dialogue, but you see them chatting. And it's like, oh man, that's great. I'd love to be yeah. a part of that band. I just think that, and how they keep retreating back to the room and it, you know, you keep going back to this one place and it's like their only kind of shelter in this terrible situation. Um, they yeah, really they keep going back. They it's use like, it to its fullest huh? extent. Yeah. I, I, I do. I feel like every character in this film has an arc, um, which right. is kind of interesting because typically you have like, one or two characters that have a serious arc and then everybody else sort of is there to advance the story. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's everybody learns a lot through this movie. Um, and it's interesting too, like even the dog, the, the kill dog they bring in at the end, right? Like even he has an arc because they, mm -hmm. and it just demonstrates both the there and the dog's growth through the film. Cause he just goes like sauntering by like great. Fuck this. I'm out. Mm -hmm. um and rather than attack like I, i'm gonna take my shot at freedom too here exactly um and i just think that that the way they sort of like buttoned up the end of the film i thought was pretty interesting and and, and well done i did too i think i think the patrick stewart is like the perfect person for this role and like when he first shows up and starts kind of taking control of the situation you just have that feeling of like oh shit things are about to get way worse than they already have been yeah and um, also like if he that man has such a presence i would have I left the room i would have been like no i'm safe this guy's cool yeah no, pat's here he's yeah. said, uh, me like a baby oh darcy yeah no we're good no give him the gun no no yeah. he just needs it oh yeah we're God, also his his arm when he pulls Ugh. it back in jesus my as soon wife as that happened i was like oh he's not playing bass anymore or he's not playing guitar anymore <laughs> I had I was like re I was finishing it. I had like watched half of it and I was finishing it and uh I like went into bed. And my wife was like doing her nails and shit and I was like watching it and uh he pulls his arm back in and she was like, Go up like what the fuck? And I was like, Oh sorry, just go back to your nails. And it's so sudden because again, nothing I mean, you've seen one person die at that point, but nothing yeah. has happened to the main characters. So when that happens, it's it's super disturbing because it's so like jarring. Yeah. Before they almost felt invincible up till that point and then now it's like clearly they're not 
Um, one thing I thought opened was, with that song. Right. <laughs> one thing I thought was interesting. Um, Patrick Stewart said a very Patrick Stewart thing about this movie, which was that he read the script, um, and he went and locked his door and poured himself a scotch and was just like, "All right, I'm going to be in this movie." And I think he he hmm. said something like, "It was ten days between him agreeing to do it and being over in in Oregon to shoot it." Um, and I think they, I don't think they had super long to shoot. I think they had like a month. Um, they were doing long days and they were getting rained out a lot, but it kind of just, it all added to the vibe of the film. Um, and I just think it's so funny to go from murder party, uh, which I guess I accidentally did a spoiler that we were doing this movie earlier when I said this, but to go from murder party in, and then like, as far as I know his next, well, no blue ruin was next, but then to go to something like blue ruin and then green room, it's just, it's the the vibes of those movies are are just so different um, yeah i guess blue ruin correlates a little bit more with this one but right. yeah and uh, i just did you have anything is... to say john anything else no no I, I i'm glad i watched this and i appreciate the the opportunity yeah. to do it because i don't think I, I i probably i would probably That's typically avoid a movie yeah. like this yeah, yeah. but i'm glad yeah. i watched it this is one that i guess just to summarize for me like it I connect with this one the most out of the three, obviously because of just being in a band and it, and it, I watched it in quarantine for the first time um, ever when, you know, I was missing playing shows and I watched this and was like, Oh, I'm good. Do I don't, I don't need to go on tour. Like I, I don't need to be back out there and I probably almost died every time I was out there. Um, so yeah, they did a great job about this. I would definitely recommend this film if you haven't seen it. Same. Um, real quick, I guess. I feel like I know who it is, but is there anyone in the band you associate yourself, like you identify with? Um, hmm. Like the way that they react to the situation, maybe? Yeah, the way that they react to the situation, I feel hmm, that I feel like I feel like I'm either uh, Reese. I think his name's Reese, the drummer, mm-hmm. um, or I would probably be a Pat. Not a tiger. Right. Not, I don't I don't think I well actually when Tiger never was know. Like, when he the was calming Pat know. down, when he was calming him down after he gets his arm stabbed up and stuff and like walking him through that, I was like, I think I think I could see that being me. Like trying yeah. to just like be the person to sort of like step in and calm somebody down when they're when they're going through something really terrible. John um, would be Pat all the way. Like John would have his wrist cut off for sure. <laughs> no, I'm just gonna give it a try. I'm yep. like I probably would have been Tiger. Like, I don't necessarily identify with them, but that probably would have been me in that situation. Like, no, we're just going to fucking go. Uh, I'd be like, uh, ah, can we just uh, think about this no, for a second? No, let's be peaceful about it. I'm going to give him the gun. <laughs> I think Preston from my band would definitely be Pat because of the random paintball story that he keeps trying to tell. That's just like totally something where Preston, yeah. he would just he come just out. Like sometimes he just has story. these random stories or says these things that are just amazing while we're on tour where we just all... We just all die laughing because it just comes out of complete left field. So yeah, I love it. Probably be Pat. Well, you know what's funny is when the first time he tries telling it, and I think Tiger cuts him off. I kind of, yeah. I was curious as to like, okay, let's hear the tactic that you know. And then I like how later Imogen Poots is like, okay, well, I, I'm curious, like, what, how yeah. did this? <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Um, and the last thing I wanted to say about this movie was, do you guys have any speculation as to what his Desert Island band was? Because I don't, question. but I didn't know if maybe you guys saw a hint throughout that would have alluded to it. Part of me feels, part of me feels like it would be uh, Dead Kennedys, 
the the ones that wrote the uh, Nazi punks fuck off song. Yeah, because that would just be like obviously like a, a kind of a poetic ending. Um, sure. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I would have appreciated some time to research this question, Jamie. No, I'm sorry, son yeah. of a bitch. <laughs> it was probably that live. No, but that is a, <laughs> yeah, it has to be. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really like how they don't how they don't let you know. And they take it to the I grave. Like it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell somebody who gives a shit. Yeah. All right. So, John, what's next? What did you watch next? Oh, I headed to 2018 uh, to a Netflix film called The Perfection. What is happening to me? I'm burning up. It's going to be okay. Liz. Oh, it's not. Oh, God, it's not. Listen to me. Something is wrong. Something is wrong with me. Lizzie, I know. That's why we need to get you help. I'm dying. I'm dying. <laughs> What's happening? Oh my god. What's happening? I don't know. Oh my god. What is it? I don't know. Mom, what the fuck? Look at you, It's bugs. Help me. Help me, darling. Help me. You know what you have to do. This is directed by Richard Shepherds, uh, starring Allison Williams, Stephen Weber, Elena Huffman. And Logan Browning. Yeah, dude, this was also a heavy movie. You'd oh, never yeah. seen this, right, John? I had not. No, I, this, I, this was my first watch on all three of these films. And this one, man, I, it has like three twists to it. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of curves that you're going around. Certainly three parts. I know they, in the movie they make it like four chapters yeah. kind of, but like there's three main parts of this movie. I looked at the sure. cover of the film. I looked at the name of the film and I was like, all right, I know what this is about. Like mm -hmm. I already got this figured sure. out, whatever. Yep. And it was one of those things like I threw it on during the work day and then before I knew it, I was like, my computer was closed. <laughs> I was just like, what? One of those deals. Um, yeah. And I had a lot to make up that night because I just like, I was pretty fixated on it and it was very interesting. It certainly kept my attention uh, with the twists. There was a lot going on and it, it was not, I, I, I told Jamie in confidence, like I had some issues with the very, very end scene, mm -hmm. but I, you know, I, I don't think this movie was cheap. I thought it was really original and I thought that it had some, um, some legit substance to it though some of the major major plot points it's like oof, that's there's, extreme there's holes. yeah yeah uh but no i thought it was this was a fun it this is a serious movie it's pretty it's, it's outlandish but it's yeah. very serious yeah yeah it's definitely there was definitely times and i feel like it <clears throat> what it does is it makes it look like more fucked up than it is like right. it, it takes you to it makes your imagination make it way worse for a moment because sure. because you're like thinking you're like oh i don't i don't want to watch what's about to happen and then and then it's like oh that's not what was going to happen or that's not what was the situation and it's one of those gay where i I was telling john it's one of those where like if you're trying to tell somebody who's never seen it like to watch it you don't even want to like even say that like i shouldn't tell you you know what i mean yeah yeah it, because it's one of those where like shit happens where you're like i don't even want to tell you there's a twist because mm -hmm. then you'll then you'll like think about that so let me give a quick synopsis sure. of this before yep. we start to discuss a little further but um when a troubled musical prodigy named charlotte uh seeks out elizabeth who's also a 
somewhat younger musical prodigy. The new star pu pupil being Elizabeth um, is like the queen at her former school. Uh, they in the encounter sends them both down a very sinister path. So like that description is very ambiguous and it kind of has to be to Jamie's point, like yeah, describing um, describing this film to someone that hasn't seen it. It's like, oh, you you had to be there um, because it is very much like there are tons of twists there are tons of turns. Um, however, the, the crux and the core of this film, I think centers around the idea of uh, again, growth. And I think um, their trauma is the other major, major Certainly. factor to this. And how can, how you can allow yourself to uh, sort of like not recognize the trauma that's being done to you. And Charlotte, right. for example, the main character, I guess she's one of the co-main characters, but mm -hmm. like she experienced many layers of trauma, uh, her mother being terminally sick, losing her mother, you know, into her late 20s or early 30s. Yeah, having to forego a career and a bright future. And then finding what she experienced while training yeah. for that career. So it's like it's layers of mm -hmm. of basically the most fucked up thing you can imagine um and this most certainly we talk about this concept of being culpable in an accessory to like oh yeah get him no stab him in the nuts like <laughs> you feel this in this movie like you absolutely uh certainly feel like one of the bad guys when you're watching it because like it's just so heinous what happens to the characters that you're you're rooting for uh the evil to get theirs mm -hmm. you know in that proverbial way but uh jamie you had seen this yeah yeah i watched it on a whim with no fucking clue what it was about uh kind of like i think when it came out it was one of those like not an internet sensation but something that was talked about a lot in horror circles when it came out uh so i like i checked it out and i'm again it was one of those where i was so fucking glad i went into it having no clue because i was like well allison williams again here we from get out you know oh yeah yeah um it was a same fucking role and then by the end you know she's a great actor like she just dude, so good she's so and she's so solid in this too because you you, you <clears throat> feel so much toward her character like there are moments where so you're, many you feel times, empathy yeah. and you're again, like i don't oh, even want to talk no, about you're a monster <laughs> and it's just like you just it's a serious roller coaster so gabe i made my wife uh watch this one with me this time and she Whoa. does not she hates horror um, so at the end, she was like, well, God damn it. Thanks again for making me watch this fucking movie. And I was like, well, it's, it's like, it's not, you're not going to like have a hard time sleeping, are you, from this one? And she was like, no, but it was fucked up. And I was like, yeah, well. It, it is. Uh, the second watch, the first time I watched it, I was, you know, obviously I was like, whoa, that, that took me to a, a lot of places I was not expecting. Um, and the first time you went in, you didn't, you had no knowledge? I all i knew was that it was a film about a cellist <laughs> yeah um which by the way they both learned cello for the film um similar to green room with the instrument thing okay john um, and i were talking about this earlier yeah, we were talking about this so yeah. they did learn cello like they actually played yep they both learned cello at least that's what they said in an interview that i was watching about it um and they they both kind of said that they didn't continue you know with a like they didn't pursue like a cello career or cello proficiency or anything after the film um, but they both said that they did like learn how to play it for the purpose of the the obviously the scene where they're well multiple scenes where they're playing um so those were actually them playing 
Yeah, well, I guess that's a good question. So it's possible, obviously, you know, that maybe someone else tracked the mm-hmm. performance ahead of time and that they I just, definitely think that had to have happened. But they even to be able to play along with that track yeah. is yeah, fucking they, impressive. They had to at least know enough technique to realistically um, play along to it. And sure. I'm not a cellist by any means, but from what I could tell, it looked like it was accurate. Um, it looks like fucking it, hard, yeah, too. I mean, watching their fingers go, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you you've seen we've all seen films where somebody's playing, playing quote unquote playing an instrument, and you're like, sure. yeah, that's not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but that we've was seen one. Teen Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the Future. That was one where oh, I that's, didn't, that's I didn't what I meant, that. actually. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I watched it the first time, not really knowing what I was getting into. And when I rewatched it, um, to kind of refresh for this, I was like. Like, well, one, it was cool to kind of watch it knowing what the twists are because you kind of earlier on, you kind of feel like, you know, you see all these things where you're like, oh, okay, I see what's happening. Um, But I also, to be completely honest, after the second watch, I was kind of like, I don't know if I like this movie that much. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, and I think it's just, again, how you, you, you guys alluded to, you know, how heavy the, uh, the subject matter is and everything with it and, and just how. You know, it again, it, it makes you think like the worst. And a lot of it is really terrible too, but it makes you like think even even worse things are happening than what are happening. I do times. like the fact that it occurs that it happens in China, um, because mm-hmm. you feel as if you as a viewer are in a foreign country almost because you're right. so unsettled by what's happening around you. You're like, right. wait, what am I doing here? What's going on? What are they saying? What do they mean by this? So they they yeah. physically like create that fracture by making it in China. But also it's a little too close to home when they keep referring to this like airborne virus in, right. in China. I thought it was going to be a zombie movie for a moment. Cause I, again, I had no idea what was happening. So like when that guy while, was thrown up at the bottom of the escalator. Oof. Yeah. Well, and even then on the bus, you know, I was like, is this going to, is this like a, going to be some sort of like, like an outbreak zombie outbreak um, film. And then obviously it goes, a completely different direction um but i did have that similar to what you were saying john i had that note of i love how location based the film is um you know they always they always put up with the big text where they're at and it goes from like shanghai to minnesota to i don't even remember where like the main fucked up school is um it's in boston i think boston okay so Uh, yeah i just love all of the settings and locations are very interesting what we talk about this bus driver. Yeah. Let's, yeah. <laughs> I was texting yep. you, Gabe, about this bus driver. First off, that guy's hair, like, he he bought that on Amazon, <laughs> and then he installed it. That's some ridiculous hair. Uh, but, and I guess in hindsight, after you find out the details of what was actually happening, and you don't, perspective is so hard because they, the way the story is being told is you view it you view it as a spectator and then all you almost like review it again they rewind and you look at it as as the insider on like how the scene actually went I, i'm not doing a good job of describing it like it's hard to describe until you see the film if you haven't seen it um well, you don't blame the bus driver right no, dude you blame the bus driver i see i I guess because I watched it the second time. Like it, the first time, I guess I did. The second time, it's like, no, get these. The, if someone's standing now, on a bus that says, I can't take a step because I'm going to shit my pants, you have to be nice to that person. Get <laughs> off my bus. 
So also, I have a problem. Back door. I have a problem with shit. I have a problem with poop. I hate it. I fucking like the whole subject is fucking disgusting to me. So that scene was horrible for me. Yeah. And like when she gets off the bus, like the whole time I'm like, please don't shit, please don't shit. <laughs> and then like I was like, I was really worried they were gonna show it, like her like just explosively also, shit like, her just pants. Go behind a rock or something. But uh, luckily they never really the entire like, bus. kind of allude to it. Yeah, I was really concerned about it. Oh, but then when she comes back on and they hand her the mask, it's like, oof. Yeah. I, the fact that they let her back, like, you have to let her back on because you're in the middle of fucking nowhere. But mm-hmm. all of those people, but ballsy the bus driver, shit. like, goes and grabs her by the hair. Well, uh, like, I mean, come on, that's... No, that bus driver's yeah, trash. That's true. But he was... <laughs> okay, I'm not going to sit here and defend this fuck. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, not the greatest employee. That's for sure. No, no fuck that guy. <laughs> Right, John. I, I have some final comments from my from my notes here. I did feel a, a almost Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibe toward the end when she's like being expected to play her her final run through. Mm-hmm. Everyone's kind of sitting there dolled up. It's almost like the dinner table scene at the end of Texas Chainsaw. Um, it's very tense. You can cut through with with a chainsaw. Uh, Luckily, having that second watch through is like. It's very, it's like you don't have that. You know what I mean? But I know what you mean. Yeah. But watching it the first time, I yeah. was like, what the hell is mm-hmm. happening here? I remember um, feeling like that. Yeah. yeah. But um, the last, very last thing I'm going to say about this film is I, as a horror dad, uh, over the past year, have evolved into this like hybrid model of teaching my daughter how to play piano. So we, we facilitate the lessons through a piano teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically on FaceTime and he's just not doing in, in home lessons anymore and it's basically like me teaching her to play piano and oh he, you missed a note huh well fuck dude honestly and sometimes like she gets so upset that she'll cry oh and it just it always breaks my heart like when she gets that upset about it and I'm like mm. you shouldn't be taking it yeah. this seriously like Jesus. it's not a big deal yeah but th- then I'm watching this and it's like what happens when we miss a note? And I was like, fuck, like I'm never, I feel like I can, I actually canceled this week's lesson, which was, should have been today. Mm. So I need therapy. Thanks, Gabe. <laughs> what have I done? Yeah. What have I done? I, uh, yeah. Oh, well, go ahead. Go, no, no, no. Go ahead, dude. I was just going to say my, my kind of like summary thoughts on this film is that it's, it's a very messed up, but I think well put together and well done look at how, students um especially music students but i think this can be you know students of of other sorts as well how they're often to uh pushed to perform at such a high level and obviously usually it does not go nearly this far but how sometimes instructors can just kind of become shells of people and abuse like their positions of power um because they're just kind of on like this power trip um and they just want to want to really control people or, or or they think they need to like facilitate putting art out into the world so badly that they lose sight of like being an actual human. Um, and thankfully, like I didn't have any instructors like that or anything um, in my life, but I think that it is a really interesting look at kind of the, I think the extreme side of people that are forced to perform at like a higher level than what is, what should be expected of them. Yeah, that's, I, I mean, super intense. And the fact that like all those guys were involved. So like at the end, you're like, you, I knew you were a creep. I knew it. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, like just the, the whole like scene, people named Anton and Paloma. I'm already yes, out. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And the it's fact just that like Paloma goes along with this is fucking bullshit. Ugh. And uh, I, they allude to the fact that it's like a family tradition. I know I already yeah. like cashed out on this movie, and I said I wasn't going to say anything else. But like environments like that, to me, that are that like highbrow. I again, Jamie and I on our our pub crawl episode. The reason we like to crust around in dive bars is just because it's like that's just not our thing. No, right? We can't relate. It's not our deal. <sighs> So, all right, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. Okay. All right. Uh, so, good pick. S- sorry, mild, mild. Uh, skip ahead thirty seconds if you don't want a mild spoiler. It's just mm-hmm. a really mild one. There's a character that at one point towards the end of the film uh, reveals that they have been wearing a wig the whole time, and I was like, thank God that wasn't that was a wig and that wasn't like a, the hair. <laughs> like I, I was so relieved by that moment, probably way more than I should have been. Who are we referring to? Allison Williams? Yeah. yeah, the main character. Yeah. I was just like... Oh, Did you good. watch the movie the two times you watched it? No, I wanted to make sure. I wanted to make sure that's who we were talking about. Yep, yep. Yep. I just, I liked the short hair a lot better. And then that's, that's my final thought on the film. All right, Gabe. Uh, you want to bring us into our last film here, Gabe? Yeah. Um, so the last film that we are going to talk about is uh, Barbarian Sound Studio. What year was this? I don't have that up in front of me. I'm 2012. 2012. 2012. Excuse me. Do you speak? No. A new world of sound awaits you. A new world that requires all your magic powers. Oh, grazie. Crazy man. <laughs> I didn't quite know I'd be working on this sort of film. What did you expect? What's he doing to her? Ah! I've never worked on a horror film before. Horror film? This is a Santini film. Don't call my film horror again. This is going to be a fantastic film. Brutal and honest. What a film. Man, I mean, okay. So this movie directed by Peter Strickland, starring Toby Jones. Um, and so good, Toby Jones. So good in this. I mean, he. So this is basically a throwback to. Uh, so of the three you picked, this one hundred percent was my favorite one. Mm-hmm. Um, I just loved the atmosphere. It felt like you were in an old library almost. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that claustrophobic vibe. Oh God, so so cool. But so the the plot synopsis is a sound engineer. Um his work for an Italian uh, horror studio becomes a scary case of basically life imitating art um, in his environment. So this guy has been brought in. uh, Toby Jones has been brought in as uh, a sound engineer to do like practical sound effects for a horror film. Uh, I guess that's being dubbed because they're kind of like speaking over Mm -hmm. the, the actual film that was already shot but he's doing all the sound effects for like people <laughs> for people being you know like brutally murdered essentially and like stabbing a cabbage to make the sound or uh smashing a watermelon or uh pulling a uh stem off a radish yeah stem yeah. off a radish to make it sound like someone's head being pulled off um and those two guys, by the way, the one guy with the the 
dark rim glasses oh, and the shaggy thing. hair. Oh wait, you mean that with the mustache and who the... hands him the piece of watermelon? I've in the never seen anything like that guy. <laughs> the scene where they they cut to both those guys wearing high heels because they're trying to track the sound of high heels walking down a hallway. I I honestly I lost it entirely. Yeah, this movie is it it hits it runs all the gamuts. It's like it's funny, it's uncomfortable, it's uh it's not really scary, but it it's very uncomfortable. It, uh, it really it kind is of scary like, very scary scene yeah, yeah well that's what i think is so i guess powerful about the film is that it's not it's definitely not like a traditional horror movie but it's like more of a horror movie in the way of like the the horror movie is taking place in the plot yeah. but when they do all of a sudden get into like scary scenes it's that much more effective because nothing has really happened like it's it's all been a movie and so as soon sure. as suddenly it's not a movie for a second you're like oh man um like that the scene where like someone intrudes on someone else's home in the middle of the night mm-hmm. that's the scene just, i'm talking yeah. about when i said it's scary yeah. god damn I was, I was watching this alone in the dark my wife was out of town um and that you know it's the screen's completely black for a second and you just see this the shape of a woman with a knife come out and you're just like, Oh shit. <laughs> and, and then there's like no sound and it's just that it's so effective. I mean, Where, that woman uh, holding a knife, if that woman was holding a, a flower, it would be terrifying. Yeah. It would. Ugh. It would. Gabe, how did you come about this movie? I had never even heard of this fucking movie. Yeah. I uh, like when I, I asked John what the three movies we were watching and then this one, I was like, what's the third one? I, I know green room and the perfection. He, I was like, did you like, did this autocorrect or something? What the fuck is this movie? <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, it was very, I'm, I'm think I'm just very lucky. Um, one of my friends that I work with, um, he, I don't know if he watched it in college or what, but he, he somehow knew of it. And we were just talking about horror movies one day. Um, and he's like, I think you'd like this. Like, it's not really a, like basically all the stuff I just said about it. Um, but he's like, but the, uh, the sound design is just incredible. It's, it's called barbarian sound studio. And so I rented it and was like, what did I just watch? Um, and this yeah. time around when I, when I watched it to kind of refresh, I watched it with headphones on. Um, and that was very cool to just hear, you know, how they, just how they set everything up. Like it's, it had to have been so much work because you're making a film within a film. Um, and so you, you have to think about like the effect that they're making, but you have to like have that translate over obviously like to the viewer. And that's the note way. I have written here in all caps is like editing this film would be a fucking nightmare. Mm. And it honestly, yeah. And, and I guess like I looked into it a little bit more. Do you, have you guys heard of, I hope I say this right. Um, Giallo, the, yeah. the genre. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's like, I didn't realize I, I'm maybe just ignorant, but I didn't know what that was. And so like, I, you know, it's, it's obviously like a, a huge paying a lot of, um, homage to that and that genre, um, the Italian mystery fiction thriller kind of horror movie. Yeah. As soon um, as I started watching this, I was like, I, I wished I, cause Jamie and I keep talking about this and it's like, we're going to do an episode on jellos because John and I are not very well versed in them either at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know what's really funny is when John was telling me about the movie, I had no idea. I didn't know when it was made or anything about it, and he had already watched it. <clears throat> and I was like, he was telling me about it, and I was like, oh, is it a giallo? And he's like, no, no, it's like modern day. Like, oh, and then I, but he didn't. Even t- he didn't tell me that it was like about a giallo, essentially. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, it's it's so interesting how they do it because you've got like the normal 
like the movie starts, but then the the like giallo opening credits play like further into the movie. And for a second, I was confused, and I was like, "Did I yeah, hit something? Yeah. Like, did I skip to to a different thing or rewind it? Like, what did what did I just do?" Um, but I think they that they do that so effectively, um, and just like so many, I feel like so much of Toby Jones delivery and acting is like so much of that performance is his expression it's not really about what he says um obviously sometimes it is but so much of it is like all this shit that's kind of just devolving into a worse and worse situation around him and just how he takes that in in his face alone is so he just did such an excellent job it had to be so uncomfortable for him because he's in he's out of his his environment and the everyone's so like mean to him he thought he was making a you horse know? film. Yeah. And all well, of a sudden he's riding horses. Yeah. yeah. She's yeah. not on horse anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I thought that was that was pretty brilliant too. And just how they they don't really show the screen besides like the opening credits. Um they don't show the shots of like the actual theater screen itself until um you know much later for a kind of a key plot point. I thought that was so brilliant how they did that. Agreed. Um, they didn't, you know, they could have shown ran they could have filmed random scenes for this, you know, to to show him to show what he was seeing. Right. But I feel easily. like that's that took so much restraint to specifically not do that and rather have it be more about all of like the audio and the sound and like the the creepy organ soundtrack and and you know them making the like the <laughs> I like the scene when they're trying to do the symbol work, like the gongs and the symbols, and then the dog yeah. just comes in and fucks it all up and they just look so mad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause we've all been there with like recording where you're just like you're in the zone and then somebody just comes oh, you in farted. with their, their keys yeah, on or, or yeah, <laughs> yeah. something happens. You're just like, oh great, that uh that will never happen. Like I'll never be able to get that exact take again. Um but I, I yeah I, I just thought that was so interesting. The main thing that I had down about this one was just that um, the scene that really got me was the um, you know how many do you know how many people want to come here and work for nothing? Like when he's just trying to get reimbursed for the like the, the ticket. Just yeah. please pay me for my flight. And this guy totally just kind of like gaslights him. It's just like you know there's people that would just do this for free, right? And I I just connected with that because that mentality is used so often in the industry, you know, to to get to avoid paying people sure. um, for their, for their work and their time, you know, like the mentality, that's the mentality for a lot of shows even is like, you know, there's bands that would just jump on this show and, and pay to get on it. Of like, course. So, man. so why do you want to get paid? And I just, I thought that that was such a, that scene to me was, was really powerful. There's so many powerful scenes in this movie. Um, Definitely. But that one was one that struck a chord with me. My main takeaway was that uh, my three-year-old might be a sound engineer at some point or a Foley <laughs> because uh, the two things that my three-year-old's obsessed with are planets and vegetables. And I'm not, I am not shitting you guys. Like my dad watches my, um, my son three days a week uh, so that my wife can teach my other son school. Uh, he comes home every day that my dad watches him. He takes him to a local grocery store called Rooley Brothers. And he comes home with like a, a whole bag of vegetables, like butternut squash, um, uh, cucumbers, <laughs> fucking like uh, avocados and shit. And I was watching this going like, all right, well, he's going to do this. He's going to be like stabbing <laughs> fucking heads of cabbages. He had a cabbage the other day. So, yeah, well, when you guys finally make the Horror Dads film, you'll already have, there a, you go, you know, an audio guy. So, it'll yeah, be perfect. we have someone for it for sure. Well, these were three amazing picks, man. I I was into this one though. I I, I definitely dug this. Um, 
it was it was a deep thinker um it is I, I yeah, thought it, was it cool. is yeah it was cool, it, cool it was totally out of my realm of typical like i probably would have never watched this on my own mm-hmm. and um so i'm so fucking glad you picked it man this is really it was a treat I, i'll watch this again yep totally agree i, yeah, I might I even am. buy this one my I'm wife came upstairs at one point because I was watching it uh, like right after work and she came up and she was like, what in the actual hell are you watching? Because it was just all this <laughs> screaming and. But nothing actually happening on the screen. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You're just hearing it. Yeah. Um, the restraint is, I think, what really makes this one. Yeah, totally agree, man. And this guy went on to make In Fabric a couple years ago, which was also a fucking great movie. I want to see that one. I haven't yeah. gotten a chance yet. I haven't seen it either. Jamie hmm. just world horror well, there you go buddy watcher yeah uh well gabe this was amazing man thank you yeah. so much for joining us it was truly an honor to be on the show i I love it and I love what you guys do so thank you for having me it was a great time yeah dude thank you so much thank you for being a patron uh thank you for all your support uh since we've known you it's been incredible and i feel like we could have chatted for probably four more hours yeah and we might absolutely yeah we could go until dawn <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna take the episode out though with a a, a full a full track uh, of careful gaze. So we hope you guys enjoy this one. There is something evil in these woods, waiting for us to fall to. When our breath becomes ragged and our throats are lined with fire, it'll speak to us from every direction. Turned into blood